Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. I'm excited to introduce you all to Podcorn. It's a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from interview segments to topical discussions and more. My absolute favorite feature is that there's no middleman. No matter the size or who the audience of your podcast is, you can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform that best fits you. It's super easy to browse your site, and I love how it's a one-stop shop for sponsorship opportunities, and it gives me the freedom to set my own rates. I can also collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So make sure to click the link in my episode notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast or brand. You can also visit their site by typing podcorn.com in your search bar. Thank you so much to Podcorn for sponsoring the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Most likely, if you're a person who doesn't have boundaries and you don't have a lot of boundaries with your friendships or your family members and things like that, or even your career, and you start putting boundaries in place, people are like, what? Because a lot of times people are in relationship with you because you don't have boundaries, because they know they can get whatever they need from you. And so without boundaries, that was why they decided to be in relationship. Now that you have boundaries, they're not getting what they need. You know, the people who love you will adjust. The people who see you will adjust. The people who perhaps were there for different reasons, they, they may not be there for the long haul. And you don't want people in there that are trying to take advantage of your energy and your time when you decide to say no. Is it possible to love and resent someone at the same time? And if so, is it healthy? You're listening to Unsweeten and Unfilter the Podcast, Episode 3 of Season 3. Everyone talks about boundaries, but what are they really? I do know that as a woman in her 30s and the eldest daughter of immigrant parents, this is a concept that I've always struggled with. In this episode, I sit down with Yasmin Cheyenne, a self-healing expert, teacher, and speaker, to discuss boundaries versus uncommunicated expectations, how to navigate past trauma that has transformed itself into present resentment, and knowing the difference of what is and what isn't meant to be yours. I'll be honest with you guys. Boundaries have always been a weakness of mine. I never knew how to fully advocate for myself, especially in situations where I felt taken advantage of or where I found my back against the wall. Life was difficult at times when growing up because I truly had no agency over my choices or even my own voice. And even when I reached the point of adulthood, I became more lost, though ironically, I finally had more say in the decisions I could make. But how could one truly advocate for themselves when they don't even have the necessary tools to assist them in the process? This newfound ability to be able to do or say what I want came about with no guidance. Setting boundaries isn't the difficult part. It's taking the necessary steps to apply them into your everyday life and communicating them to your loved ones, that is. Setting boundaries for yourself can come laced with anxiety and guilt. As mentioned previously, this anxiety comes about because you have a lack of experience in being independent. And as for the guilt, that comes along due to my personal inability to communicate my needs to people whom I love. It's truly a struggle of mine to express my needs to my loved ones without feeling like I'm pushing them out or punishing them, even though that's the complete opposite of what the purpose of a boundary is. 
I say this to say that you are not alone when struggling to be your own protector. Today's guest, Yasmin Cheyenne, is someone whom I've been following for quite some time. In this episode, I have expressed to her the positive impact her words have had on me. And as a side note, if there is someone in your life who has been a source of light, please let them know. Life is too short to hold onto these kind words. Yasmin's wisdom and her insight have given me the ability to continue my healing journey. There is so much power that lies in feeling seen and more so heard. I strongly recommend that you do follow her on Instagram, where she shares her insight in regards to her personal self-healing journey. I truly hope this conversation helps you overcome your fear and your struggles with setting boundaries for yourself. I think it's time to forgive yourself, and even though it may take some time, at least in this moment, please choose to realize that you are worthy of being loved, of being respected, and understanding that you are valuable no matter how small you may have felt at times. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for joining us, for taking the time out of your day to have this much-needed discussion. And I feel like boundaries is something that, to this day, I struggle with. I think it's because I just realized what boundaries truly are and what they entail. But before we dive into this very important topic, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Thank you for having me. I am Yasmin Cheyenne. I'm a teacher, a speaker, a writer, and primarily I teach people how to create their own self-healing practices, which means creating your own tools to be able to access your healing work on a day-to-day basis. I also host a podcast as well called The Sugar Drop Podcast. And I love your podcast, by the way. So I will definitely link that because I think this is where this conversation stemmed from. When I listened to your episode about boundaries, it really helped clarify, like I said, how I define what boundaries are. But before we jump into that, you know, I was looking at your website and there was something, it was a quote, you know, I I felt like I needed to share it. And it was healing is an educational endeavor with no graduation. And that's something I'm learning that healing is not something that's just going to be a start and stop. It's going to continuously happen. I want you to talk about, if you can, you know, what pushed you to start your own self-healing journey? What made you start on this journey to better yourself and to just heal the past traumas that you've dealt with? Yeah. You know, I think like a lot of people, my healing journey started rock bottom. Like I had no choice. I was either going to do something or I was going to continue to be miserable, um, uncomfortable and lonely. And so I really decided to start to figure out like, why am I not you know, experiencing joy or happiness or being fulfilled in my life when I'm doing all the things that I thought I needed to do to be happy or whatever I thought happiness meant at that time. Over time, I've had to learn, one, that happiness is something that is fleeting. It's up and downs. You know, life is going to throw things at you. But I also learn that I really need to define what it looks like for me. First of all, it's never going to be everything's perfect. It's never going to be everything's fully in alignment. I'm going to have to learn how to choose joy even when things are absolutely going crazy like they are at the moment. My healing journey has been something that is consistent and I chose the the educational part because we're always learning and unlearning, but we never finish school. It's like a school we sign up for that we never finish. Exactly. It's just constant. And it can be a little frustrating sometimes, but I think it's how you know that you're tuned in. I was just talking to a friend today and we were like, you know, although it's hard doing this work sometimes, we're so grateful that we're tuned in because I used to not know what was going on. I used to just be completely oblivious to my emotions and now at least I can feel them. 
That's that's so powerful right there in itself. And you mentioned a point where it's like, what is happiness? But what is happiness to you versus how does happiness look on others? And is that the happiness that I want? I try to tie this back always to faith. And in my faith, you know, we talk about how like God doesn't grade us on a curve. He doesn't, you know, grade you compared to the next creation or whatnot. He compares you to who you were and who you are and who are you becoming. And I think that's powerful. And I think that helps me in my journey of self-healing is like, how does self-healing look for me? Because my heart hardships and my blessings are only unique to me. So why am I comparing what I'm going through versus what somebody else is going through? Why am I comparing my low moments to somebody's highlight reel? You know what I mean? So it's like, that's not how I should live life. And the one thing that I think even just coming from a background of being raised by immigrant parents is something I struggled with is boundaries. What are they? I feel like, you know, it's a new thing. It's a new trend. Everybody's talking about it. And I don't want to say boundaries is new. You know, it's been there. It's, it's something that's been implemented for many decades but it's just, I feel like now we talk about it more often than not. And I feel like it's become something so popular, like everything else, like anything else, when it does become a trend or when it does become something popular to talk about the actual definition of it, it becomes lost in translation. Can you define what boundaries means to you, maybe in your own definition? Yeah, you know, I think the way I define boundaries is boundaries are the way that we interact with people, places or things in our lives and the rules that we create around how we interact with them. The way that you know that you have a healthy boundary in place is if you're still able to access your feelings. And what I mean by that is if you put a boundary in place and you're like, you know what, forget them. I don't care that, you know, that's most likely not a boundary. It's most likely a barrier, which is a wall that we put up to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves safe. And I always say this, like, it's important to understand that there's nothing wrong with putting up walls. Sometimes that's all we have. That's all we know. And until we can actually access what's hurting us, the wall is what make, helps us be able to operate. Once you do a little bit of work, you recognize like, oh, this is what I need. I need space. I need time. And so then you put that boundary in place. And, you know, there's many different kinds of boundaries, but the two most common ones are boundaries that are communicated and boundaries that aren't. Boundaries that aren't might be something I use this a lot, but like do not disturb on your phone. After a certain time, you're not available. That's an uncommunicated boundary. People aren't going to be able to get in contact with you. But a communicated boundary may be like, hey, I don't like when you bring this up when we're around, you know, my friends. I don't like when you, you know, assume that I'm going to help you clean up after your party that you decided exactly. to throw. Like those are the the most common boundaries that we talk about. And I do think that boundaries, one of the good trends, it's something that we don't talk about a lot because most of us felt and may still feel that boundaries means we're selfish. Boundaries means that we're not good people. And the discussion of boundaries out loud is what bursts that bubble and lets us realize, like, I can love people and be there for people and still advocate for myself and what I need and my time. Um, and boundaries doesn't make me bad. It just makes me human. And I honestly think I got the best definition from you, Yasmin, because from your content online, which we, I will definitely share your social media handle because there's just so much to learn from the content that you share. There's a plethora of knowledge on there. And for me, I realized lately, like, why I have uncommunicated expectations, why I felt like for the longest, I think I was notorious for viewing a boundary as a wall. Like if you do me wrong, I cut you off. And I, it's almost like it was easily done. It was, it was something that I could easily do. And I never understood why I was like that because deep down I knew I was not a cold person, but why is it that when someone does me wrong, I can easily cut them off. And to me, I used to view it as like, oh, I'm not going to allow anybody to do me wrong or anything like that. And that's, that's just the healthy way of going about things. This is a healthy 
way of protecting myself, but it, genuinely I was not. I was suppressing a lot of emotions within me. And the more I noticed that I was cutting somebody off completely, somebody that maybe have just, just made one mistake or whatnot, I realized that's why I needed to go on my self-healing journey. There was a lot that was going on within my heart and my mind, and I felt the two entities within me were always just battling. And I felt like it was time for me to bring in another perspective. And that would be my therapist, somebody that I can talk Mm -hmm. to, somebody that was outside of me that didn't know me personally, that can assess what I'm going through and why I was going through what I was going through. Sometimes I I still want to, I want that relationship with somebody, but how do I still have a relationship with them without allowing them to, you know, do me wrong or have any missteps? Again, people are human. So what are some ways that we can, you know, have that conversation? with a loved one, somebody that we probably, you know, allow them to continue with their behavior. And this is the first time we're ever acknowledging their behavior. And we're saying, hey, I don't like why you're like, I don't like the fact that you're doing A, B and C. How can we have that conversation with this person for the first time ever? You know, I think it's important to recognize that we won't always be having conversations with people. And we have to ask ourselves, or it's important question to ask yourself, like the person that I'm having this the issue with, or that's causing the discomfort, do they actually have the ability to hear what I'm going to say if I share this? And it doesn't mean that you have to hold everything inside. It doesn't mean that all the work is yours, but we can sometimes create more issues by asking people to respect our boundaries that don't even know what boundaries are, aren't in therapy, aren't doing any work. And like, what, who are you talking to? You know, they, they're taking it as a threat or defense when really you're advocating for yourself. And so I think recognizing like, how can I begin to put boundaries in place that are uncommunicated boundaries that give me the same space and protection and safety that I need without having a conversation with someone who doesn't understand me. But if the person has the ability to understand you, then, you know, asking for space to talk to them and understanding that just because you're in therapy or just because you follow me or any of the other amazing people online that share information around boundaries, it doesn't mean that you ever get to a place of, oh, I got boundaries down. I get it now. It's always, I'm not going to say always, but most of the time it's scary. It's, it's hard to, to share. You don't know how people are going to react. You're being vulnerable and you're giving yourself the opportunity to say what you need. And somebody can say like, you know, screw what you need. And that's really hard. Recognizing that people are going to disappoint you sometimes. Advocating for your boundaries without expectations is such a big deal. Like knowing that I'm sharing how I feel and they may not be able to give me what I need. And I may have to just grieve that and deal with that and move forward with that. There is nothing like boundaries to run rampant, like it will run rampant through your life. Like you you are going to lose people. Relationships are going to change and shift. I'm not saying that I want that to happen, but most likely when you put, if you're a person who doesn't have boundaries and you don't have a lot of boundaries with your friendships or your family members and things like that, even your career, and you start putting boundaries in place, people are like, what? Because a lot of times people are in relationship with you because you don't have boundaries, because they know they can get whatever they need from you. And so without boundaries, that was why they decided to be in relationship. Now that you have boundaries, they're not getting what they need. And that's for the people, you know, who aren't, you know, the people who love you will adjust. Mm -hmm. The people who see you will adjust. The people who perhaps were there for different reasons, they, they may not be there for the long haul. And I mean... No shade, but good riddance. Like you want, you don't want people in there that are trying to take advantage of your energy and your time when you decide to say no. 
Exactly. You're doing all this work in therapy and whatnot, and you're trying to continue having these relationships with these people. But if they're choosing to disrespect you and not, you know, accommodate, and if they truly want to be in your life, they would listen to your boundaries. Of course, your boundaries should make sense, but it has to be compromised. It's very, very hard because I think there's a lot of variables in place. One of them being you, your feelings, and the other thing being the other party and their feelings. So it's like, there's only so much you can control of the other person. Honestly, you actually can't control other people. That's just the way it is. You can't control other people. You can't change them. It all comes from you and how much you want to heal. And if this person is still causing you distress to whatever extent, and if you feel like, hey, they're actually not going to benefit my self-healing journey, then yeah, unfortunately, good riddance. And I know that's hard. That's like another part of therapy is just grieving failed relationships and friendships and whatnot. And I don't want to say failed, but more so just came with an expiration date, you know, one that you didn't think that would come with an expiration date. I think for me, why I struggled with boundaries is I absolutely love my parents, but I was, you know, I'm the oldest sibling of immigrant parents. And I think that's like a hardship in itself because, you know, you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're juggling between your Western identity versus your Eastern identity. Both cultures are like, you know, trying to push and pull and whatnot. And I felt like being the oldest, there was nobody that I can communicate my feelings to. There was no such thing as boundaries. There's sometimes no privacy within, you know, your family or whatnot. Again, it's it's just the way you were raised. Sometimes it's not, I'm not trying to say like, I had a horrible childhood or anything like that. I actually had an amazing childhood. Sometimes just because you didn't have boundaries or privacy doesn't mean that you came from a horrible childhood. On the country, I had the best childhood there was. But now as an adult, here I am able to make my own decisions and I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that independence because I was never raised with that independence. I was raised very, very sheltered. So here I am as an adult where now I get to make decisions for myself, where I get to make boundaries for myself. I think that's where it comes into play, where we have all these expectations of all of our loved ones, yet we never even told our loved ones our, our expectations. Why do you think that we would rather get become angry with our loved ones rather than sit down with them and express our boundaries? Is it because there is that generational gap, that disconnect? You know, I think there's a few things here. One of the things that I also want to mention on the boundaries conversation is that sometimes you will have boundaries that you need or have things that you need and the people in your life that you love aren't able to give them to you, but you continue a relationship with them. So I I just want to be clear that it's not like, oh, I have boundaries. You don't meet them. Bye. No, there's tons of people in my life that (laughs) do not have the capacity to understand my boundaries and I'm still in relationship with them. And you have to learn how to navigate that. So I just wanted to mention that. But I do think it's the, the generational gap in terms of what we are tolerant of now versus what was tolerant then, meaning like, first of all, you know, I don't come from immigrant parents, but I'm a black American. And, you know, very similarly, I'm the oldest and you have a lot of responsibility and a lot of it is unspoken. You just know things have to get done. People have to be in bed. Hair has to be done. Stuff has, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, I don't know what it is about that dynamic at that time, but you don't ever think as the oldest kid to say, I'm overwhelmed. You just think this is just the way it is. It is until you grow up and you learn like, holy crap, I was overwhelmed. I was tired. I was scared. You know, all of these things. And our parents are most likely just doing what was done in their lives and, you know, just passing it on. We're just very much getting to a place where mental health is being something that's being discussed on an everyday basis between friends. Like everybody has, you know, not everybody, but lots of people have therapists. Lots of people are talking about having accessibility to mental health care. 
it, you know, for, it's for someone like you or for someone who's listening that understands that, like, I had a loving parents. They just didn't understand how to hold the emotions I had, especially being immigrants. I would assume, I don't know, if coming to this country, perhaps having to learn a new language and all of the assimilation that comes into coming to a new place they put their boundaries in place to protect you. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you, you're you're growing up American, though, and, and having to a completely different experience. And so learning how to have compassion for where people were and where people are and what they didn't understand and what they wouldn't have had access to at that time. But also honoring the fact that you still get to have your experience. You still get to be validated in your experience and you still get to move through your healing journey with what you need. And and both are valid, but you don't have to, even when you were describing, like, that's something that I do all the time where I'm like, you know, I'm not saying that it was bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, it was hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's it's the part of us that's like, hey, you know, you know, we're 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 trying to protect them, and you know, normalizing being able to say that that was hard for me without it meaning that you're a terrible person. Like that was that just hurt. It was a little tough. And thank you for raising me and and being such great parents. But this part was a little bit tough, and I'm still learning how to navigate that. And like, you know, maybe other people won't be able to handle it when you discuss it, but within yourself, being able to hold both. You know, that is so important because I feel like I'm honestly tired of putting out that disclaimer saying that I had a great childhood, but there were some tough moments, I think, yeah, to hold all that responsibility as the oldest sibling. Because when I look at my other siblings, it's almost we lived two completely different lives, yet we lived mm-hmm. under the same roof. It's like, <laughs> yes. how does that make sense? Honestly, it's like, I was like, that doesn't make, and it's like, you try to explain your trauma, your hardships to them, but it's, there's only so much that they can relate to because again, their experience growing up was different. My parents are a little bit more lenient. They're a little bit more understanding than when they had me. This I was their first child. This was a huge responsibility for them as much as they gave me a lot of responsibilities to being the oldest sibling. I think one thing that you know you had mentioned before is you can love and resent somebody. And I, I never knew that you could do both. I felt like, how can you resent somebody you love? Can you explain that to whatever degree that you would like? Because I feel like it's it's almost like it'll take a while for somebody to wrap that around their mind. How can I love somebody but also hold resentment towards them? And is that healthy? And is this something that I can overcome? Can this resentment be dissolved? So resentment isn't a healthy emotion to have, not because it's bad. We all experience resentment in one way or another, but resentment eats away at us. It's not something that is saying more joy, more joy. It's like, yeah, more jealousy, more pain, more sadness, more hurt, right? That's what resentment breeds, is a breeding ground for. Um, If it was a weed, you want to get it out because it's going to just start to like, you know, take over your garden. So one of the things that resentment grows from is uncommunicated expectations, uncommunicated boundaries, uncommunicated needs. And a lot of times we have expectations of people based on what we think they should be able to provide for us. Like, you're my mom, you should know. You're my best friend, you should know. You're my husband, you should know. And so we have all of these thoughts about what people should know versus what we need from them. The other part of resentment that's really hard is that just because we need something and we share with someone that loves us, that we need it, doesn't mean that they're going to give it to us. One of the things that we have to realize about communication and boundaries is other people get to have boundaries too. We don't know what the middle ground is going to be and they may the answer may be no. And you may have to have you may have resentment. And then you may have to deal with the emotions of that and then grieve it and process it and learn how to forgive and move on. Not only forgiving them, but forgiving yourself. Ultimately, 
a lot of times we can have resentment about, you know, like even in the situation that we were talking about and being the oldest kid, sometimes, you know, we have resentment about the freedom that we feel our younger siblings had. We love our siblings and we are, you know, it's hard. And then when we process our own trauma, when we process the pain, the overwhelm that we felt, then we can begin to one, forgive ourselves, potentially, you know, forgive our parents and recognize that our siblings had no role. They were just kids too. And they have their own traumas and their own stuff. And we're all going through our own things. You know, sometimes I, I've noticed as being the oldest in, in my uh, life, it looks like I have, it looks like I get to do everything. It looks like I, you know, my parents only believe me when, when I say something happens, you know, they all have, we all have our own stories about what was happening. And really it's just the communication when you have those healthy relationships where you can have that communication, where you begin to really weed out what's real, what's not, and then you can begin to move on because a lot of times we're holding on, which is what resentment is, holding on to something that that isn't even a thing. It's something that we believe is happening versus what's actually happened. Oh, my gosh. I, I wish I can just like replay that every morning when I wake up because you do not know how much unnecessary resentment I'm holding against people that don't even know I have resentment towards them. And like you said, it's not even intentional. It wasn't their role to come into my life and show me that, hey, I had more freedom than you. It wasn't that at all. It was just, you know, times change. And the thing is, I, you know, I tend to hold on to the past a lot. And I think that's what really affects me. And that's why I suppress so many emotions. And I think that's why my number one go to emotion is anger. And I think that's something that I'm struggling with. And I feel like I'm still working through it in therapy. I, I don't feel like I've made any strides with it because I feel like it's still my go-to emotion. And I feel like there's just a lot of work to get done. And that's the thing. People think you see a therapist one or two times and all of a sudden you're a brand new person and you're just so nice and just joyful and life. You just look at life half full. It, no, I know it's going to take me a while to get there. And you know, speaking about anger, I feel like, you know, sometimes because of any past trauma that I went through, it brings current resentment into my life right now. And what I mean by that is I can have a whole set of new people in my life, but because of who wronged me in the past, I, for some reason, just because I never held that person accountable or I never had closure with them, I tend to bring that resentment into my current relationships or friendships or whatever it may be. And I think that's what really kills me the most is that why am I treating this person who is in my life at this moment so horribly and they don't deserve it, but I feel like it was just all that built up anger from my past and I never got to, I don't want to say unleash, but just, you know, be able to express. Yes. Yeah. And let go of in the moment. How can we deal with not being angry with the people who are in our lives right now and not holding them to such a high expectation when they had nothing to do with our past? Yeah, you know, I think it's important to recognize that when we have things that we haven't dealt with in other relationships, it always shows up in our current relationships. It always shows up where we are. And the only way to work through it is to open up the healing process and let it ex expose itself. One of the things that's can be very frustrating about this is, is like, you know, for someone like me or for someone who's been in it a long time, like I've been doing this for 10 years. Like, how am I still going through this? And like learning to be patient with yourself, you know, anger is one of those things that is kind of a flashlight. Like it's a flashing light letting you know there's probably some sadness there. There's probably some pain there. And anger is the initial emotion we feel. Like I feel triggered. I feel hurt. I feel disrespected. I don't feel heard. But actually, I'm disappointed that you don't hear me. I'm sad that you don't respect me. I'm hurt that you don't see my pain. And so when we get to that second layer of it, then we can begin to process like we can express ourselves. When, when we're angry, usually it's like, F them, excuse me, you know, they don't understand me. They don't know what's going on. When we get to sadness, it's like, 
me. I'm sad. I don't know what to do. I need to be held through this. Can you listen to me while I talk through this? Can I, you know, that's where we get to that second point. And that's one of the things that's so powerful about, yes, anger is important. It's a valid emotion. But once we ask ourselves, like, why am I angry? I'm angry because this happened. Okay. And what happened? Whatever happened. And then what did I feel when that happened? Hurt, shocked, you know, getting to that second layer so that we can be like, okay, this is what I need. So I don't want to be disrespected anymore like this. So actually what needs to happen is I need to put a boundary in place. Actually, what needs to happen is I need to find a new job. You know, actually what needs to happen is I need to break up with this, this partner, like whatever it is, or actually what needs to happen is I need to share this because I don't think she knows that she's hurting me. There's so many different variables and allowing ourselves to have our process and like have the anger, have like, we're, we're going to have anger. Most likely we're going to have resentment. If we don't have resentment, then we usually have the opposite. We shut down. There's so many different things. And we, we may look at someone else and say, they don't get angry like I do. They don't yell like I do. They don't say the things that I do. They're better than me. You know, I wish I could be like them. And actually, it's we're both processing things pretty similarly. We're shut down from our emotions. And I may be the loud one. I may be the one that is more aggressive or whatever. And I can learn to allow myself to be more gentle in my communication through practice. And you ha- we have to commit ourselves to it and, and learning that there will be people, like I said, that are willing to hear us and will say, wow, for the first time, like unbelievable when you allow anger to kind of come down and you get to the sadness or the hurtness or the, the, the second layer of emotion and you're vulnerable and you share with somebody who you can trust to share with. That's the key. You don't want to just share with anyone because when you're sharing with someone who you know you can trust and that you have that reciprocity with, and they hear you and they see you, then you build that self-trust with yourself. I don't have to stay in anger. I don't have to stay, stay resentful. I don't have to stay jealous. I don't have to stay you know, mean. I can be sad. I can be vulnerable. I can share. People can hear me. And the next time you do it, it might happen too. And then if they don't hear me, I hear me and I can be there for me. Or I can go to therapy and they can be there for me. Or, you know, And you begin to validate that being in my emotions is safe. I don't have to stay in anger. That's not the only safe place for me to be. So let me let out a sigh because honestly, when you were talking, Yasmin, I I got a little emotional. And you know, if mm-hmm. you would get emotional if you feel the same way, if you resort to anger right away, and I think you said something so important. You said anger is like it's it's your safe spot. Yeah. That's my go-to spot. I feel safe when I can show that I'm angry, or when when I visualize what anger means, it shows that I'm stronger than the person that I'm in conflict with. When you were talking about vulnerability, your voice softened, and that's I was like, no, I don't want to be weak. And that's when I feel more vulnerable or when I try to be vulnerable, I feel weak. And I feel it's because of the past things that I've gone through that I feel like I've, I was vulnerable in that situation. And I have tricked myself to believe that since I was vulnerable in that situation, that's why what unfolded unfolded. That's why what happened to me happened to me because I was weak, because I was too kind, too soft, too transparent with that person. But now I I resort to anger because I'm like, I will never, ever allow that to happen again to me. And now who's paying the price? The people in my life right now, you know, and, and I think that was another thing that you said. And I, oh my gosh, that's something that I always regret. And I look back on after I have my, had my like moment of anger and whatnot. I'm like, why didn't that person respond to me in anger? Why didn't they match my level of just being angry and just unnecessarily rude and saying hurtful things? Why didn't they match me? Why do I have to take it to that next level? Why can't I be the kind of person 
Why can't I just think before I speak or not even think before I speak, just being honest? Because I feel like sometimes when I'm angry, I don't show my true self or my true emotion. I'm trying to play this role of I'm stronger than you and I won't allow you to step all over me. When in reality, when I go back in my room and I'm all alone and I think about what just happened, I regret everything that was said. How do you think we can, you know, overcome that? You said it takes a lot of work, but what are some like little baby steps that we can take? Is it, should we think before we speak? Should we just try it out just once where we are vulnerable with that person and see how they take it? If there's somebody that, you know, they're going to take our, take advantage of our weakness, then maybe that's another sign that that person isn't meant to be in our lives. Or is this going to strengthen our relationship? This is going to show the other person, wow, she actually isn't, you know, as, as angry as she used to be. She's honestly hurt. How can I be there for her? How can I make sure I don't hurt her again? Yeah, you know, I think it's important to mention that, you know, like even in the sharing that you're doing right now, this is vulnerable. This is, you know, and, and vulnerability is the bravest work that you yeah. can do. It's really brave to show up and say, I'm going to say how I feel. I'm going to share how I feel, or I'm going to listen to how you feel. As a very, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. You know, I don't, I, nothing about vulnerability is something I've ever experienced, you know, very similar to you being from Chicago or, you know, any yeah. kind of city, even in a, even a country folk, you know, have that, <laughs> but like specifically being from those kind of places like Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, that is not a part of the cloth that we're cut from. I think one of the things that I had to learn was, and, and, and one of the things that I teach is understanding that when you are angry or yelling at someone or sharing, you know, spouting out everything that you're feeling, you are not inviting an atmosphere of someone feeling safe. They are on the defense. It's really hard to remain open to someone who is cursing you out <laughs> or yelling at you. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so rem- reminding yourself that I haven't been open in the past. P- perhaps I have let people in or perhaps I have tried to be vulnerable and I was disappointed. But I know more about what I am looking for in a person that feels safe. That's what I learned. That's the lesson. Or perhaps there were other lessons, but like I don't have to shut my emotions off because someone hurt me and now keep not only the people who love me from accessing me, but I no longer have access to me. Because if I am only angry, then I don't feel my joy, my laughter, my anything. I'm afraid to let people in for the good and I'm afraid to let people in for the bad. You know, one of the things that is going to be helpful in beginning to move towards a space of open communication is being aware of in terms of like actual things you can do when I say it takes a lot of work. One is being aware of how you're feeling, really coming to yourself and saying, you know, sometimes when we're angry, we're like, I need to call this person right now. I'm going to tell them how I feel. Stop for a second. And ask yourself, like, is this a conversation I really need to have with them? Or is this a conversation I need to have with myself? 99% of the time, first, is a conversation you need to have with yourself. Yes. And then you can begin to decide, what do I even need to say? What do I need here? Then it's discerning, you know, do I need professional help? Do I need a coach? Do I need a spiritual teacher? You know, what do I need to be able to help me do this? For some people, they don't have access to those things. Maybe it's their parent that they can talk to, whoever it is that you 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 have in your life that you know you can confide in and will help you see what you need to do in terms of reflection, not necessarily giving you the answers, but reflecting the truth. Because the third thing that you need to do is be honest with yourself. And, and when you're honest with yourself, then you can see what part of the issue is yours and what part of the issue is theirs. And when we're angry, we want to say that it's everyone else's. 
Like if everybody would just get it together, then we wouldn't have these issues. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, it's two of it's two or multiple, right? They need to get it together in some ways, sure. But I need to get it together in some ways. And the reason why I think self healing work is so po- powerful is because we focus on the self. We focus on what I can do and what I'm bringing to this relationship. If I'm kind, vulnerable, and showing up, I want to share this too, kind and vulnerable does not mean you get to walk all over me. Mm -hmm. I can be strong, kind, and vulnerable. I can be clear, boundary, kind, and vulnerable. Like you don't get to take advantage of me. And also when you're more clear and you're more focused, you're able to be more direct about what you need than when you're up here in in your head in terms of the anger and the the flustering resentment and jealousy or whatever those emotions that kind of get us up in our head. We don't know how to be clear. We don't even know what's going on. And so I think ultimately, I think it's important for us to just really give ourselves, you know, out of everything that I've shared, compassion. Dr. Brene Brown shares this. I did something bad. I'm not bad. I feel guilty for what I did, but you know, I'm not bad. And that's the difference between being in shame, which is where we usually get after we've done something that hurts someone else, we get to the shame part. So now not only am I angry and alone and everything else, but I feel ashamed. And reminding yourself that, you know, I can apologize. And I might have to apologize a lot because it might take me some time, but I owe it to myself. And I owe it to the people that I love to try as many times as I need to. And it takes time to learn how to communicate clearly when you've never had the opportunity to really do it or you've never been shown how to do it in your life, but you can do it. And I think starting with the things that I mentioned are really helpful, especially if you don't have access to a therapist or a coach or something like that to help reflect those those things to you. Asking yourself, like, why am I upset here and what do I need? And then beginning to understand how you can communicate those in a clear way. And, and, and again, like we shared earlier, of course, going through the list, like, is this a safe person? Can I trust them? Are they going to hear me? If not, beginning to decide, is this communication even necessary? So, yeah. Thank you, Yasmin, so much for unpacking that. I think that's something that, you know, it just struck me when you were talking about the self-healing journey and whatnot. And I feel like self-healing isn't that easy. It's not a bubble bath. It could be that. That could be a supplement to your self-healing journey. But self-healing to me, I it made me realize that sometimes in this situation, I'm actually the toxic person. I'm the one that needs work done. If there's certain situations that keep occurring over and over again, something needs to change. And sometimes it's not always the other person's behavior. Sometimes it's your own behavior. And I think sometimes it's really hard for us to point the finger at ourselves and blame ourselves after having to go through what we've gone through in the past, after being the oldest sibling or the first generation or anything like that. It's just, you know, you don't want to add onto your load of feeling like you weren't good enough or you didn't do good enough or everything is your fault. The last thing you want to do is also blame yourself. But I feel like when it does come to self-healing, it's, it's a very hard and difficult journey. But at the end of that tunnel is that joy, is that happy person that happy version of you, that person that's more self-aware, that person that's going to have better and stronger relationships with the right people, with people who will not take advantage of you, people who you will feel very comfortable with having vulnerable conversations with and being vulnerable with as well. And I feel like the people that I surround myself with, I'm very, very like aligned with them, in line with them. And I, I feel very close with them. And I feel like I can be vulnerable with them to a certain extent. And I just want to get over that last 
wall, that last wall that I feel like I just have to jump over and just show my true self of who I really am. And it's really hard because, you know, when you're by yourself, you're one person. And then when you're around other people, you're another person. It's really hard to juggle two identities. And I think oftentimes a lot of us do feel that way, um, aside from even social media and the identity that we have on on even our social media apps. So I feel like self-healing is something that it's it's a work in progress. It's something that doesn't come with instructions. I, I Again, everybody's journey is completely different. I think other than, you know, when we talked about boundaries, what are some healthy ways that we can implement boundaries? I think the first one would be clear communication. And you mentioned that just having clear communication even from your, with yourself, with yourself that yeah, exactly. You, that's why you mentioned that. And I was like, here I am always thinking that, well, I need to ha- be clear with the other person. But do you even know what you want? Maybe if you knew firsthand what you wanted, then you can easily communicate that with other people. But if you have all these unexpected, uncommunicated expectations, that shows that there's a lot of inner work that needs to be done. And another thing is not to feel guilty when you set boundaries. I think a lot of times we come from sometimes very sheltered communities, sheltered homes and stuff like that. And you feel like like once you place a boundary, it's almost like you're placing a wall. But we just discussed this. It's, boundaries are different than walls. How do we move from feeling guilty and feeling like this is what I need in order for me to strengthen my relationships with the people in my life that I truly do love? Yeah, it takes time to feel to not feel guilty. And it takes practice. It comes in when you set that boundary and you get that result, whatever the result is or the reason why you're setting the boundary, like, oh, I didn't have to deal with that or I feel safe or I feel happy or I feel well rested. Whatever the reason is that you're setting the boundary over time, when you begin to reap the benefits of it, it's obviously like addictive. You realize like, oh my God, this is where my joy has been. It's been here, like with me giving it to everyone else. The alternative is to continue to do everything for others and not advocate for yourself and remain in resentment and anger and all of those things. And so, and you may still have it even with boundaries, but understanding that you're giving yourself the opportunity to be a more joyful you, which gives other people access to a more joyful you. So it's really a win-win in my opinion. (laughs) Absolutely. I absolutely love this. I honestly, needed this conversation about boundaries, you definitely made it clearer for me. And I feel like there's just a lot of things that I can walk away with now. And one other thing that, you know, I I found to be very important was something that you mentioned offline about keep going versus this doesn't belong to you. We're all in a state of confusion. There's a lot more questions than answers. And I feel we're learning a lot about ourselves. But the one thing I think we all struggle with, I don't know if it deals with imposter syndrome or we're just not so confident in ourselves, but the difference between keep going, keep chasing that certain dream or passion that you're after versus maybe this actually doesn't belong to you. How can we tell the difference between these two things? I I feel like sometimes that's a struggle that I face constantly. I think the biggest thing is to recognize, am I doing what I'm doing because I think it will make me a good person? Am I doing it because I think it'll make my parents proud? Am I doing it because I think it'll make me a good wife? Am I doing this because I think it'll make me a good whatever? Is this something that society says that I should be doing because of X? my religion, my background, my community? Or is this something that I'm doing because I enjoy doing it and I want to be doing it? When you are in your purpose, you will feel like it is something that you chose versus something that was given to you. And sometimes your purpose is given to you. Maybe your parents are really in tune and they say, this is what you're meant to be doing. You know, people start tennis from two, people start gymnastics from three. You know, there are those stories. But also, you know, you at some point have to decide if you want to still be committed to it. And I think for most of us who are trying to figure out 
what we want to, you know, things are changing so fast and we're having access to what feels like freedom from what people expect from us versus being ourselves and doing what we want. And I think just giving yourself the freedom to to dream again. You're never too old. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're already married. It doesn't matter if you already have kids. It doesn't matter if you don't have kids yet. Giving yourself the space to say, okay, what is it that actually matters to me? And you don't have to announce this. This is another thing. You do not have to announce this. You don't have to call everyone. You don't have to put it on Facebook and social media. This is just for you. And a lot of times you're starting small and starting alone before you're able to really put it out there and let everybody know whatever it is. So giving yourself the the opportunity to do this for you is where I think that starts. I think that's really important. And I feel like the other battle that I have within myself and maybe other people can relate is sometimes our heart and and our mind are at battle when we are going after a certain passion. Do we wait for our heart and mind to be at peace for us to believe that something is meant for us? Or, I mean, does this still signify that we will be successful in whatever it is we're going after just because our mind is maybe talking us out of it and our heart is usually what gets attached to it. And I feel like that's something that I face, even maybe with this podcast, like my heart is truly attached to it. But sometimes your mind plays tricks on you, like, thinking like, are you, is this meant for you? Are, are you the right person for this podcast? Are you the right person to take on this responsibility to be sharing the stories of so many incredible women, especially topics that are not easy to talk about? So that's something that I also struggle with. Do you ever feel like your heart and mind are not at peace? Or do you just keep going until they recalibrate themselves and decide to get along and be on the same page? Yeah, you know, I do feel like I have to choose peace every day. I think what you're talking about for me sounds more like discernment. Like, how do I know what is mine? How do I know what is like, or more so too, like even accepting that you were the person chosen for this and feeling like, how could I be the person chosen for this? I think a lot of that also comes down to worthiness sometimes too, where I've had moments of like, how am I worthy enough to be having these conversations? Why would people want to listen to me? This is insane. Like, you know, and so recognizing that I am here to create a community where people can show up and learn and grow. I was doing it when no one was liking my post. I was doing it when no one cared. And that's how I know it matters to me. And I think that's what people I think can can bring home to themselves. Like, what am I willing to commit myself to even if it doesn't work out? Even though I'm hoping it does and knowing that the head and the heart piece is often, you know, we're doing something that we love, but our mind is beginning to calibrate what is the probability that this will actually be successful. And I think when it comes to vulnerability, you never know. That's the answer. You really never know if it's going to be whatever you've imagined it's going to be. It could be greater than you've ever imagined, but it could also not work out. And when things don't work out, grief and moving forward. Yeah. I also feel like because of social media, sometimes we tie the value of whatever we're doing or even our own value to how successful something is. But I feel like something is meant to be yours. It doesn't have to be successful. It doesn't have to be part of the top 10, whatever it is. Like for instance, the podcast, it doesn't have to be the top 10 right on the app podcast page every single day for it to be a passion of yours, something that you're driven to do, something that you feel is help other women, but it's also helping you in return. And I feel like I'm not alone in this. I feel like after you've climbed that mountain and you reach that point where you realize this was your passion, it's until you reach that high point that you realize it was yours. But during that journey, you you kind of almost convince yourself out of it. And I think that's the hardest part is the journey is just making sure that you reset your intentions and you remind yourself of the purpose. And I feel like with anything that you do, you should tie your purpose to it. Because when you do feel like giving up, you kind of 
go back to that purpose and you read it again and you remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. And I think when you don't have a mission, sometimes, yeah, things can get lost in translation. Things can feel like maybe it's not meant for you. Sometimes all of our choices and all of our signs are clouded with a lot of confusion and not everything is sent down from the heavens above and with our name on it. There's a lot of trial and error that we have to figure out. But I honestly can't thank you enough, Yasmin. This was a very incredible conversation. I felt like, you know, I missed my therapy session last week. This was definitely it. So I (laughs) really enjoyed it. I mean, I know you're not a therapist yourself, but I think you're incredible. I love the work that you do, the content that you share. I don't think you, you know, sometimes it's nice to remind other people of how impactful they are on your life. And yes, you may just share posts online, but to me, it's your posts that I read daily that I feel like, how does she know that this is exactly what I needed to hear today? So (laughs) I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of other men and women that, yeah, your posts really do help your, you know, your wealth of knowledge and all the research and all the work that you put in really does help other people out there. And it doesn't go unnoticed. It's not just a post online. I feel like there's a lot of, obviously a lot of thought that goes behind the content that you share. And it's almost like you're bringing us on to your personal journey. And that's vulnerable in itself to be able to be transparent in what you go through. But if there's, is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with? Any piece of advice, especially to just, you know, give people some uplifting and positive words? Yeah, you know, thank you for that. I think um, everything, you know, one of the things you were sharing in terms of like intentionality. And I think that that's what I bring to everything that I do in my work. And perhaps not the advice, but like the question I would ask for people to ask themselves is how can I be more intentional about what I'm choosing? Just being intentional with the time you have, being intentional, choosing what you want, uh, showing up for yourself as much as you can and giving yourself grace to mess up. Like Mm. you're going to, it's going to happen. You're human. Anytime that you, that you think you were supposed to do it right, do it perfect. You're removing your humanness and making it impossible for you to see yourself, which is so hard. So just be compassionate passionate with yourself and try again. Thank you. Thank you for those last parting words. Honestly, that's just, it's its a lot of wisdom in that. And I, I really hope that a lot of our listeners found this conversation to be very beneficial. I definitely did. I'll definitely link your Instagram page, you guys. It's very, very beneficial to follow Yasmin Cheyenne on Instagram and your website too. There's a lot of content, amazing words on your website. And I just can't thank you enough. And I wish you the best for the rest of the year. I hope we can reconnect before then. But thank you so much for just blessing us with your presence on our podcast. It's truly an honor. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm so happy that you had me here. It was great. Thank you.